Well, it's been two years since 1819 News began publishing, and to celebrate that, I'm bringing in our editor-in-chief, Jeff Poor. He and I are going to sit down and give a state-of-the-state address, talk about what's going on in the state with education, taxes, the works, uh, and we're going to dive into some of the biggest stories that we've reported on in the last two years. We have an incredible culture here in the state of Alabama, but our politics and public policy don't reflect the people of Alabama. Media drives culture. Culture is what drives politics and public policy. Welcome, everyone, to 1819 News, the podcast. I'm Brian Dawson, CEO of 1819 News and host of this here podcast, where we are pursuing a free and flourishing Alabama every single week. We've got a great episode today, Um, big, a little bit different, special, whatever you want to call it. Um, we're celebrating, we're celebrating two years of publishing. It's hard to believe it's already been two years, but we've done so much. It seems like it's been five years of accomplishments and impact. So, um, we're going to break down and talk about, um, a state of the state address, uh, from us rather than from, oh, I don't know, say the governor. Uh, what do we think the state of the state is? Uh, and then we're going to talk about some of the bigger stories that we published. And then our overtime segment, uh, we're going to jump into congressional redistricting, uh, and what a boondoggle that clearly gerrymandered map is. So we'll be doing that in the overtime. So before we jump into the content, though, I want to remind you guys to subscribe to the podcast, no matter what platform you're on, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Rumble, um, wherever it is, subscribe and click the bell so that you're getting notifications each time we publish a piece of content. Um, beyond that, uh, we'd ask that you would share the content on social media. If you're on X, Twitter, whatever you call it, share it, Facebook, share it, uh, take the link. If you're on rumble, go to, go to one of those platforms, share it. The more we get out there, uh, the more of an impact that we have, uh, we're literally growing exponentially. Every single podcast we do, it just goes up and up and up. And so that is very encouraging. And that means that you guys have been doing that. So please keep doing that. And then also leave us a five-star review, uh, on any of those podcasting platforms that allow it. And that helps us reach more listeners. So thank you for doing that. And we will, uh, jump into the content now. So Jeff, before we even jump into it, thanks for coming up, making the drive. Here thanks for are. having me. Yeah. Glad to be here. And, um, let's see. Um, there's a lot to cover. There's a lot going on in the state, but before I think we jump into that, um, you know, I, it's been crazy to, to start a news media outlet two years ago, we began publishing, uh, and to be able to get to where we have, I think is, um, you know, pretty incredible. Uh, and it's definitely, <clears throat> since you've taken over as the editor, it's, it's really taken off. And so I'm tremendously grateful for the work you've done, uh, keeping, uh, the newsroom in line and, and pumping out great content, uh, and doing a great job keeping, uh, the culture in the newsroom up as I'm out doing all the businessy things. Right. And, and it, you know, it, it does, you were saying it's been two years. I came in about maybe six months into it. Yep. It, it does seem like a lot longer than yep. the two years. Yeah, it's um, it's weird, like trying to think back, like what are the biggest stories, what are the biggest memories, and it's just like all blurred together. It's been you know going a hundred miles an hour. That's like the mark of a good website, though, um, or a good job experience, career experience, where there's a lot of things crammed into a little period of time. Yeah. I mean, any career profession could be a slog, a day to day thing, but like it's like this: you go, you call it a day, and you just like look at all the stuff I left on the table that I couldn't get to today. And, you know, and it's like that every single day yeah. chasing things down. Yeah. 
Oh, we say uh, we exist to inform, investigate, and celebrate. We inform the people of Alabama about what's going on, why it matters. We investigate corruption. And Alabama is one of the most politically corrupt states in the nation, so it is a target-rich environment. And we celebrate the things about the state that are good, true, and beautiful. But it seems like kind of what I, what you're saying is the the target-rich environment is real. Right? It's There's so real. much to write about. And and I I mean like you know it's it's we say it's corrupt. I mean yeah, historically it, the state of Alabama has a bad track record. Uh, I'm not going to uh, be an apologist for it, but what I think like people don't realize a lot of the so-called corruption. I mean, it's a system that was engineered by uh, an elite class that I think in a lot of other places would be corruption. You know, yeah. the uh, the favoritism, the cronyism, and whenever you talk about it in this state, it's like oh, whoa, 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 you know. And uh, but 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 it exists. It, yeah. it really does. It, it, we we and people I guess aren't necessarily aware of it. Are they're so desensitized to what has happened in the state over the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years. It's just like, well, it's not as bad as it used to be. Yeah, business as usual. The right. AEA is not running the state anymore. It's like, or is it? Well, would you rather have the power company or the teachers union? I'm going to yeah. go power company every single time, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's things like that. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's been interesting. I've been drinking from a fire hose. You obviously have, you know, a couple decades of experience in Alabama politics. I've got two years. <laughs> so... Um, I've had a drink from a fire hose. I've got acquainted through reading books like uh, Eddie Curran's, the you know, uh, the Governor Goat Hill. Kind of get you acclimated a little bit, but then um, it's just been watching and learning, and obviously having tons of conversations with you at about five thirty every afternoon yeah. <laughs> as you fill me in on all the goings on. But um, it's it's a lot, and and it's you know one of the things I think that keeps keeps Alabama from behaving like it's people are right. So we have a bunch of people who are elected that are running the state in a way that doesn't reflect the people who sent them there. Uh, and it's because there's so much going on at the state level. There's, there's like this undercurrent or these underpinnings that are happening that you can't see. If you just look at it on its surface, people are watching Fox news to get their political cues. Oh, if they're Republican, that must mean they're good. And so right. then they look down at, at Montgomery We're Republican supermajority. That means we're good. But there's there's a lot going on, and it and it takes a lot of effort to learn about it. Um, it is a complicated state. Uh, Alabama, yeah. It took me it, it took me all of those twenty years to figure it out, and 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 it all kind of works together like machinery. It's it's miraculous. I mean, yeah. it's no small feat that the state comes together to run as it does because it, it's very tribal, it, yeah. you know, and, and you know, the state just from being here, you spend time in Baltimore County, you spend time in, in Montgomery, you spend time here in Birmingham. They're all very different. Like the political yeah. classes are very different and then they have to go and, and they, they somehow make it, make it function. They make the state, you know, as the institutions in the state function, the universities, uh, uh, you know, you got all these other bureaucracies and state government, but, uh, you know, other things like that, they come together and it, it's fascinating how they kind of come to a consensus to make it work. Some of it's good. Some of the stuff they do is very good for the state. I think culturally uh, we, we, we get a knock on the culture, but I do think the elites in the state do good things to preserve sort of the traditional values. However, um, the the other the bad part of it is I, I you know the the business side of it, uh, and, and there's good people in business, but there's a lot of bad things that go on, a lot of favoritism, and, and I, I think things like that that's kind of keeps the the oil to keep the machine going, if you will. Yeah. Well, um, I think 
what has happened, um, and it's been happening nationally, but also at the local level, some of the things that we're going to jump into with libraries and the perversion in schools and all this other stuff, it's, um, there's a bunch of people who've been operating like, like an ostrich with their head in the sand. Well, you can't do that anymore. There's too much at stake, you know, start, it starts happening in schools and libraries and stuff like that. People are starting to pop their head up and, and they're looking for what's going on. What are, what are these people that I've elected doing? Uh, and a lot of them, especially when it comes to library boards and city councils is the answer is not much. Right. But, but they're, they're figuring out that they need to pay attention and we're there to give them the information they need, but ultimately they're the ones that have to do it. And we're seeing that, um, specifically in the libraries. I think that's been a, a wonderful well, um, yeah, and, and two things on that. I think number one on the libraries, the state is woefully underserved by what uh, legacy media has left in Alabama. What it's always been because it's 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 agenda driven. It's like a polite country club sitting. We don't talk about these things, and and, and this is going on in your libraries in your schools, and no one's talking about it. You know, yeah. and uh, like Dothan, a sizable population in this state. Um, the local paper there, the TV stations. I mean, there's some good people that work in journalism down there, but they're not interested in this stuff at all. And and so that's number one. But number two, the people that are aware, it's like, just let those guys, those crazy library science, purple haired freaks have their little playground in the public library. No one uses it anyway. We don't need these controversies. These controversies stand in the way of, of, of just us making day-to-day transactions and our businesses and, and accumulating wealth just let them do their things it's not important to to anything so so i think in the name of like efficiency and in, in whatever in sector of industry or whatever they are willing to let parts of the culture slide and that, that i think is a, a very dangerous thing to do yeah no i think so no you're exactly right and the what happens though is as they pass the buck and try and and, and call it well this is just to get along the cultural slide over time, you know, it may not seem like much at five years of doing that. Well, 25 years of doing that, all of a sudden, right. we've got freaks and, you know, dudes and thongs, you know, with their butt cheeks hanging out, getting well, and, slapped and, in trucks, driving down the road. And it's like, you know, in front of children, like, oh, my gosh, dude, what happened? I mean, I mean some of that, some of that is like the, the, the worst of the worst. But like, for example, the Alabama Education Association. So yeah. for years, Paul Hubbard stood up at the balconies of the legislature and he tied up business. So if you were the big mules, if you were the farmers, you, none of your stuff was going to get any any consideration until Paul Hubbard and the AA were happy. Yep. So what do you do to make them happy? Well, well, well shoot, we need this. We need this done. We need this economic program. We need this whatever highway built to this population center. We need this done. Just give him what he wants. Yeah. Give Hubbard what he wants. Give the AA what they want. And they accumulate power over time to where it's how hard is it to fire a, a public school teacher now? So, so this is like a real consequence of that. So, uh, you know, and then eventually, to, to their credit, the, the business community kind of rallied in 2010. Bill Canary and the BCA and Mike Hubbard and all that's documented. And they won Republican control. But then, then it kind of slips back into that. Well, they just got a, a guy out of the way. But, you know, it stayed stagnant for a while, but now it's trying to make a comeback. So you have these, like, tug and pulls and, you know, this this it's always searching for this equilibrium in, in Alabama and the culture and the political culture and the business culture, et cetera, so on and so forth. 
but like no one's really aware of this. It just yeah. kind of happens and, you know, it plays out over time. But I think where the missing component, the missing ingredient here is like, what about like the 95% of the taxpayers and voters and just everyday people in this state? While this silliness or this power struggle is going on, they're the ones that kind of get left out of the mix. Yep. And, uh, there's a whole bunch of people that are at the, the the table where all the decisions are made and the people don't really have a seat there. That's like the last thing that they think about. And so special interests and, and everything else. So it's it's interesting. Well, let's get on to our state of the state. You know, where are we? Where are we headed? Where have we been? Um, education. I think to me, education is the most important thing. It affects everybody. You know, I have seven kids that are homeschooled. That being the case education still affects me because I go, uh, and I buy things from places where people work that have been educated here. I go like education affects everyone, every, you know, and so, um, it matters. And if we're not, you know, it, we get into some of those, uh, kind of the weird things you're talking about with, uh, Alabama politics that people don't see. We talked about with Will Ainsworth recently on economic incentives and what is this? And, you know, we want corporations to come here. We want businesses to come here. We want to be a business friendly environment. And he's like, well, you know, the, the biggest thing is, is there, you got to have people that can work in these places. Right. And, uh, if, if we want to be a, a forward moving state, you turns out your citizens have to know how to read. Well, right, right. So <laughs> at a long time ago, as a society, we decided that the, the, for the public good, because you need people with the ability to write, the ability to read, the ability to add and subtract, you know, just to, to perform daily tasks to make the economy work. You need some, you know, varying degree, depending on where you are, public education. We yep. decided that as a society. And this isn't – so regardless if you're homeschool, private school, whatever, if you're a proponent, that's fine. But you got to still have a public education system for society to function. And, you know, some people are like, well, I don't have kids. None of that matters to me. But it does matter. It does. And, and, and you can't shrug it off. And the schools, I mean, it's not just like, you know, so often when a, a locality raises their property taxes, well, I don't have kids at school. I don't, but, you know, like your property values will go up. But that's not the point. The point is you want good schools because it's just it is a you know it's just cliche but it is a rising tide lifting all the boats but it's it's like necessary so we have to have a public school system we can't abolish it yeah uh, we can't do away with it it has to be it has to be good it's just not very good right now it, it's 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 sort of evolved into this like leviathan it's like social engineering on top of like you know i just don't you have a a bureaucracy that just doesn't care self-protecting bureaucracy self-protecting bureaucracy uh people make money off of it i mean there's just all these problems with it but you gotta have it. it's a necessary part of a state to function so that's why you put it up high on the list of priorities and I, I think people really you know they don't think about it like that but they they need to understand that, you know, just, just for you to go check out like at the grocery store, just do the drive through at McDonald's, the person may, they need to have some basic understanding of life skills of, of just to make it till the next day or they become like a public charge. You know, yeah. <laughs> do, you wanna, do, you, do we want a, uh, an uneducated class of people that we have to take care of? So, I mean, yep. education is important for that reason. Yep. And looking at the state of education in Alabama, um, you know, it's not good. I think it's, it was funny to watch all the state board of education people and all the people in education. Like, um, when we didn't improve when everyone else like got worse, but we didn't get as worse. 
And so they were like doing victory laps that, that when everyone went down during COVID, we didn't, we just stayed it sucking. Right. And then everyone else went a little bit down. And so we, we raised in the ranks, but nothing actually changed. We just stayed the same and they did victory laps on that. Like that was the gold standard. And so, I, I mean, uh, you know, and, and, and I guess they deserve some kind of credit for that. Yeah. I mean, you know, your, your boat's taking water and you're, you're, you're bailing it out fast enough to where it's not sinking. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, while other States are sinking. Uh, we, we had a better bailout program or something, but yeah, uh, they did victory laps for that, and uh, you know, is it really fair to 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 make that assessment? Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I, yeah. I think I think we need to still kind of wait and see. Like they got all these, you know, we talk about them all the time. This this literacy act, where you need to be reading at a third grade level, or you can't go into the fourth grade. Yeah. They get the numeracy act. They got all these things that they say is going to fix it. I know we've been told this is like Lucy into football yeah. over and over again. This is going to fix education once and for all in Alabama, yeah. but. I mean, I, I guess they will we'll just have to, like, give it another year, I, I would think, to see if it's really going to improve. No, and I think, you know, obviously something that sounds like it's on the horizon is school choice. Um, Kay Ivey kind of came out of nowhere. You know, she's been diametrically opposed to school choice pretty much since I've been here. Uh, not something that really wanted to come up in the conversation. Uh, and now she came out a few months ago and said that her office is working on education savings account legislation uh, for the next session, and she wanted Alabama to be the most school-choice-friendly state in the nation. It makes me nervous um, for a couple of reasons. Well, like, she's never, like, this is new. Like, she's never yeah. really talked about this. And, and, and you're thinking, well, what's the calculus here? Could it be this? They know school choice is going to happen eventually. Maybe it's the next governor or the governor after that, but it's going to come. Let's get school choice Let's get school choice, whatever you want to call it, uh, but we'll call it school choice for the sake yeah. of appeasing this Republican base. Get it done while we have some control, while there's some, you know, whatever establishment institutional control before those real right wingers, like, you know, whoever the next governor gets in and does something really radical, like a real school choice plan. Yeah, no, it does. And, and um, you know, depending on how, who feels what, whatever, I think that's something that, that need, there needs to be an eye kept on. What, what is, what does she mean when she says, it? now she did say education savings account and like, that's pretty specific. There's not, you know, of course you have, you know, Utah versus Arizona or maybe Arkansas versus, you know, Iowa or something. And so there are some differences, um, but it, any type of education savings account would be far and away more than I think anybody thought was ever going to happen in the next three or four years in Alabama. Cause you know, where she was messing with the definitions of school choice was like charter schools and stuff like that. And so education savings accounts that includes private schools, um, you know, Christian private schools that were also public transfers. I think that's the conversation. Will, will homeschools be included? Do the homeschoolers in Alabama even want to be included? You know, those will be interesting. Are they going to do like, is there going to be an income test? Like, you know, there's yeah. all these things to be eligible or will this be like Obamacare for, for schooling where, where yeah. you have a, a government subsidizing private schools. So for the bottom 10, 20% of the income earners and then the rest of us pay more intuition. I, I don't know what yeah. this, I mean, there's all these different scenarios and, but I, I think she threw this out there and was like, uh, "Yeah, I'll just uh, that'll that'll keep them that'll keep them at, at rest yeah. for a while, you know." Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Definitely something uh, everybody needs to to keep an eye on. Um, taxes and government waste. So um, both, I would say, on education savings account, school choice, 
and taxes, I would give a ton of credit to the work that Will Ainsworth's been doing. He's been leveraging a ton of political capital uh, to get the grocery tax cut out there as a conversation. Uh, there's been other groups, you know, grassroots groups, API, Eagle Forum, them that have been working on it for a long period of time. Uh, but Will went on a, a Twitter campaign with the tax cuts and all, you know, with the chain, the, the, the meme of the chainsaw, you know, cutting the grocery tax and all that. And, and really started the conversation, went and got 35 senators to sign up. And I think a hundred representatives to sign up. Uh, and we got a grocery tax cut. Now it's not the grocery tax cut we needed, but it's the one we got. <laughs> well, and, and, and I'm, you know, knowing a little bit about how this process went down with, with Lieutenant Governor Ainsworth, um, he, I mean, it wasn't easy getting all those co-sponsors. Yeah. And in fact, it took, you know, like, Hey, you need to sign up on this. Oh, you don't want to. Well, you really do. And then it, it took, I mean, believe it or not, it wasn't just like, Oh, what a great idea because yeah. it, it took how many years for us to get a grocery tax? How long all my life we've been talking about yeah. the, the state, uh, the burden on groceries and we get something done on it, but he really did in, in that, in that state house played some hardball with some of the legislators in, in a very untraditional role, non-traditional role for a Lieutenant governor. I mean, Lieutenant governor had all his power stripped away under Steve Windham and it's just kind of been more of a ceremonial presiding over the Senate. Whereas Ainsworth's actually kind of leveraging his position. He's in the state house, might as well work on things. And you could, you just got the privilege of being able to talk to, you know, these lawmakers one-on-one, -on -one, like you and I couldn't do that yeah. the way he does it. So like he's taken that job and, and made it something that it ha it wasn't under um, Folsom or Ivy, but it's become under Ainsworth. Yeah. And, and again, I mean, not to throw rocks at the governor, but you know, there's a, uh, there's a leadership vacuum and mm -hmm. people want to be led. And there's a lot of senators down there. There's people in the house that are would probably like leadership and, and people in the state and everything. And, and, and he's well, look, look starting she, to do it. Look what she leads on though. She leads on like gas tax increases and <laughs> economic incentives for like big businesses. I mean, this is what she, and, 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 and then she does like a folksy ad with a gun or something. And everybody's like, yeah, that's my governor. And, and it's like, she, she, she knows how to lead. Yeah. She has it in her to do it. But she leads on all the wrong things. I think. I mean, that's just, and that's what's so disappointing about the Ivy years. And she's going to be ten years. She's going to be governor. If she finishes her term. That's the longest serving governor in Alabama history. Ten years. So think about that. But she's going to leave the next governor a prison problem, uh, an unfinished highway in West Alabama. All of these promises that she had all this time to fulfill. And it looks more and more every day like a lot of these things are not going to be completed. And she's had the longest amount of time, longer than any consecutive period. Um, I mean, obviously, Wallace's terms are kind of split, spread out because, you know, they're not consecutive. But she, this is what we're, this, I mean, like, what's the most remarkable thing that Ivy's done to date? Uh, she raised your gas tax. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll answer the question for you. Well, she raised yeah, your gas tax. I thought you was talking remarkably good, and I was, I was, I was searching for air there. But and, yeah, and, no. And, and, and the she's put up she these did. blue rebuilt Alabama signs all over the state. They're everywhere, and you can't yeah. go anywhere without seeing one and just being like, "What is? What is this? Like, yeah. why, why, well, you know, come on. This is like a reminder that I had to pay more at the gas pump. What are you doing here? But that's the most remarkable thing she has done as governor. No, it's uh. So I was gonna try and be nice, but I'm glad that uh, that you commenced to, to to take the rocks and throwing them for me. But you know, it is, and it's bad. And I mean, probably the 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 two biggest memories I have from the the Ivy administration beyond the gas tax was 
when she came out and blamed the unvaccinated for, for the, the outbreak and all the problems that we were having in, in COVID and basically said that we were stupid if we didn't get vaccinated and then blamed us for, 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 for all the stuff there's that. And then, um, when, when, uh, one of our reporters went and they got oh, her right. unguarded, you know, that her handlers left her, left her out and a reporter got to her. So whoever that is probably got fired and said, what is You know, what is the thing that you're most proud of in this legislative session? This was two sessions ago. What do you your, no? What was your, your biggest, biggest regret? regret? Yeah, your biggest regret. And she said, "My biggest regret is that we didn't get the gambling bill passed." What here? Here's <laughs> here's the worst thing about the the vaccinations, and and, and this is so the, they passed that vaccine exemption during a 2021 special session for reapportionment. Yeah, and when they asked Mac McCutcheon, the speaker, then the speaker of the house, when they asked governor Ivy, Hey, are you going to get this worked in the special session? Oh no, no, no. This is a only reapportionment. We don't need none of that. None of that. We, we're not going to do any of that. Uh, you guys don't want to intermingle the two. You simpletons out there mad about this stuff. This just isn't the time for this discussion. And like the Monday before the special session, people came and protested they yeah. blew up the walls i mean the halls of the the state house and there were like primarily there were three really bold figures in the senate and one uh, senator uh state senator chris elliott state senator arthur Orr, and sam gavan a uh, state senator from huntsville they really pushed that and and they, they they built momentum up for it over the week and next thing you know it's being voted on they override k ivy's call and they get it on the agenda. They get it through. She signs it. And then she runs for re-election right after that. And guess what she runs on? A vaccine uh, mandate exemption bill. She 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 was all against it and then made it part of her like resume for when she was running for re-election in that last cycle. Yep. That's crazy. They did the same thing with the abortion stuff too. You know, they all ran on. Oh, we we've got the strongest uh, pro life legislation in the country during election season, and then when when Roe gets overturned, they were like, "Oh no, we're going to have to enforce this. We need to add some exceptions." Right, right. Um, and now remember, Ivy didn't do that. She stayed silent on that to to her credit. But 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 remember, she. I mean, the, the Dobbs was you know not supposed to happen. We were going to be the ones that were going to yeah. initiate Dobbs, and yeah. it makes you wonder, like. They passed that bill and they did they anticipate that it would really ever be they would ever see the day that it would be enforced but no turned out they were wrong yeah no it was a hail mary and they never thought they'd have to enforce it and then they did all right um prisons you you, you talked about an inheritance uh for the next governor um the prison debacle um i know you and i have you know talked about like it started out they were supposed to get two prisons two uh, so I'm doing Alabama math too. Two, two yeah. prisons for one billion, uh, and now we're getting one prison for one point three billion. So it started out, uh, yeah, well, the, the earmarked, um, appropriated in another special session, and they couldn't wait, Brian. They had to do it then. This is 2021 as well. The DOJ was coming, knocking on our door. We got to get, you know, all these Eighth Amendment violations, and and and, and we had to get our cruel. And unusual punishment charges take it. It had to be done in 2021. There was no other way to do it. It had to be done in that special session. It couldn't have waited until 2022. Okay, so she calls a special session. The legislature gets the money, and, and it's going to be great. 
uh, Steve Klaus, who was the House Budget Chairman, and says this is going to be fantastic. Listen here, so what we're going to do? We're, we're going to we got we got all these this, this COVID money. While other states were blowing in on tax cuts, on gas tax holidays, and, and grocery, we yeah. didn't do any of that nonsense. No, no, no. We did a responsible thing. We're going to use it for prisons. And then we have the surplus. We're going to throw that in there. And then we'll go to bond market. We'll go to market to bond it, and it'll be fine. You know, it won't be. We won't need that much money. Well, the first parts of that equation kind of worked out. Third part, they when they went to market, they couldn't. You know, they couldn't fulfill the obligations. They still have it. This, but 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 here we are. And it, I am not sure. It is twenty twenty three. They rushed that special session in twenty twenty one. About this time, two years ago. And I'm not sure very much work has been done on either prison. I'm told there is work, but when he asked people kind of around the community there, like, well, I don't know, maybe a little bit of site work or something. But anyway, come to find out, uh, well, we, we just didn't foresee this 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 inflation and, uh, you know, the supply chain. And we're, we're going from uh, $600 million to, to $1.2 billion or whatever it's going to be when it's all said and done. Like an increase of 50, 60 percent. The rate of like the cumulative rate of inflation says maybe 15, 20 percent at most, right? Yeah. And they, they really sold us a bill of goods on that special session to 2021 and how that was going to work. And, and like, there's there ought to be a little more contrition. There ought to be like, hey, look, sorry, we really screwed this one up, guys. But it's like, yeah. it, there's none of that. It's just give us more money and then they're going to go back. To build the to build the Escambia County facility, they're going to go back with their ha- their hands out, wanting more money from the legislature. I don't think they get it as easily this time, but the legislature is going to have to go along with it. Yeah, crazy. And I mean, I don't know if we want to dive into this or not, but what's mind boggling to me is, <clears throat> you know, is it inflation? How is the bid process working and all of this? And I mean, I guess these are questions that we need to ask. Like how. Well, they, they they got that part for you. They yeah. they have this new construction management model where they they they, they tell you you know how much it's going to cost as they go along. Yeah. So you have a guy that's designing it and he is uh, sending the bill to the state at the same time. So <laughs> I, I mean, I got a construction degree, I had a building science degree from Auburn. Um, I I don't know how I wound up in journalism and sitting where I am today, but I. I I know that, you know, historically, traditionally, you have a bid process and then uh, you, you have a bid opening and everybody submits a proposal and then they go through the bids and they look and see, did they, did they include this and this and this and this and to get to their bottom line number? And they put all the numbers out and all the lowest bid is locked in there and they can do change orders or whatever throughout the process of building if things cost more than anticipated, but those have to be approved. But that was the number you were going to build it for. We don't do that anymore. We got uh, we got great contractors here that are really, really cozy with the power in Montgomery, and they just build stuff for us, and they tell us what it's going to cost kind of as we go along. What could go wrong? What could go? I mean, doesn't that sound great, guys? You're getting a deal. It's cheaper is what I'm told. Uh, it's just fantastic. And, and only, believe this, or believe it or not, Brian, I am told by people in the know that there's only like uh, like two or three companies in the whole wide world that could build these prisons. It just just so happens that you know they're in Alabama. Yeah. So and and that's what's the miracle of this. Like we have these prison building masterminds in Alabama, but yet I, I don't know where the prisons are. Yeah. No, but we know where the 1.3 billion for the one, which is crazy. And I can tell you this was this would be a very unpopular thing, which I seem to specialize in. 
I've got some experience with CCA, which is Corrections Corporation of America, which is now Core Civic. It's the same right. company, okay? They build prisons, and they build them quickly, and they build it now. Whether they should be the people working in the prisons, right? And so that's the separation is they can build them, but then they can also staff them. And so the question is, do you want them staffing them? That's up for debate, blah, 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 whatever. But they build these things all over the place. They build them very quickly, and they know exactly how much it's going to cost. And it's, you know, I think they tried to go with Core Civic early on, and there was a bunch of that pushback. That was the lease build, and, and, yeah. and uh, they couldn't get it bonded because of the, the, the Woke Lives Matter stuff or whatever, yeah. and banks wouldn't, wouldn't float them a bond. Yeah, crazy. Well, only going to cost us a billion dollars, so what are you going to do? All right. Well, the next uh, inheritance of uh, the next governor is uh, the Aldot situation. And it's so, I mean, everything from the bridge to nowhere to the road to nowhere, a lot of nowhere going on. Um, what do you think there? Well, I, I, I mean, this, this, this tenure of John Cooper is another miraculous feat. So I've lasted as long as it did. I mean, he, he's one of the few Bentley holdovers, guys. Like, he was in here long before Ivy was, and Ivy's already seems like she's already been here in eternity. Um, imagine have, being beholden to John Cooper, um, and, and these, these lawmakers are terrified of Cooper. It, it, this is one of these examples that we have this all throughout state government. Where the bureaucracy uh, just just sort of just sneers at the the elected officials, even yeah. the governor, and they just like, look, we were here before you got here. We're going to be here long after you're gone. We're going to do it our way. Oh, you think you could stop us? No, you can't. That's cute. It's been tried before, but but you're not getting it. And then that's what that's the situation we have at Aldot. And like, I might even be okay with that if if Al Dot was like functioning. If, if there wasn't traffic jams everywhere I want to go in Alabama uh, by automobile, well, not a very populated state, very rural state. But you know, you're driving down 65, and, and you know it well. You hit that, uh, you, you you hit that, you know, the where the Confederate flag is yeah. to going down to the devil will get you sign. Uh, you know, you, you, traffic's tied up. Was there like a big city there or something? There, there's nothing there. And traffic stopped, and it, it, it's just it's just based on like the checkout time down at the beaches, you know, and everybody's yeah. trying to funnel in that sixty five there before everybody splits and goes their own way in Montgomery. But like, why, why is that going on? Why why are we not fixing? Why isn't that like an A list priority? And it's just that you know those people can wait. They're not from here. They don't pay taxes. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's things like that. It's that mentality. And you have a guy. He's he's like an accountant. He, he's, uh, you know, this is, uh, I, I made up my, I made up my mind. I made my decision. We're not changing anything. Conditions on the ground don't change. And, you know, these lawmakers are terrified to question his authority. A lot of them are. Some of them aren't. And, you know, we could go into that. There's a whole history to be told about that. But he gets, um, you know, he's impervious to any kind of criticism. He, he doesn't really, it doesn't bother him anyway. Yeah. But he does want to make an example out of people who do criticize him. And it, 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 it's a situation where this unelected bureaucrat holds this, like, road-building power over people's heads, over communities' heads, over taxpayers' heads. It just, he just does not – it doesn't matter to him. And I, I think that's a that's a that's an awful culture that doesn't serve the taxpayers of this state. It's one of these things that's just terrible about the state. The guy's got some personality issues. It's just it's, he had a good run. It's time for him to go. We'll see how long, much longer he lasts. 
Yeah, it's amazing to me that he's still there. You know, I, I wrote an opinion piece. It's basically like, well, what does it take to get fired? Like, you get arrested for threatening <laughs> to shoot your charge, neighbor. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's like, I mean, that, on the heels of all the stuff that happened in, with the no, prison no, no, in Baldwin no, no, County. It's, it's better, Brian. There's no, like, public apology. Like, I, I really let the people of Alabama down. I shouldn't have done this. Uh, I get a little hot under the collar sometimes. My apologies. It's a bad look. No. No, it's just like, yeah. <laughs> I don't care. I, I, and I'm going to go take that guy on some even more. You like put up a bunch of barricades around his property, like this little feud he's got going on. But like, it, it's embarrassing that we have this guy with so much power in the state. And, you know, it's, it's, there are the, the embarrassing things that happen in the state and it's always in government. Like that's where the, that's where the embarrassment is. And so you have these out of state outlets, these national outlets that love to, make fun of Alabama for the dumb things like that. And it was funny to watch the daily Beast come in and do a big write up on the whole bridge to nowhere situation and all that other stuff. And that's the thing is like, we hate being looked at by other States this way, but we have the opportunity to fix these things that, that, that that's the reason they're looking at us this way. And he still has his job. Yeah. He still has his job and there's no indication that his job's even, you know, it's like this though. I, I almost think it's just like the guy sh probably should have resigned or been fired or terminated or whatever multiple times. I, I would have said probably after the toll bridge fiasco, the mobile river Bayway toll bridge fiasco, and he mishandled that and put that project back years and, and Ivy backed him up on all his silliness, but and, and and that's probably when it it really started looking like this guy is not really suited for this disposition, but but like you know he, he I I think it's this with the governor you're not going to tell me how to run my administration and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep him around you know I'm I'm not gonna look like I'm caving to the lieutenant governor to any lawmaker to anybody I'm the governor and I'm in charge. And the other thing, obviously, we haven't talked about it yet, but the West Alabama corridor, probably any sane, rational human being that they would put in that role and say, Governor, this is not a good idea. This is not a wise thing to do. Yeah. Um, but Cooper is a guy who can get it done. And she looks at him and she's like, okay, if I fire him and bring in somebody else, that could hurt my pet project, my insane pet project. So he he's hanging on there, too. It's just like this pride thing. And then this boondoggle thing. Yeah. Just another sunny day in Montgomery in and the governor's and office, right? I try and tell everybody that'll listen and uh, our listeners here, people I talk to, whatever. Stop watching Fox News. And, and because the reason people watch Fox News is it's like a train wreck. And like right. when there's a train wreck, you look, you're like, oh, look, a train wreck. And you can't take your eyes off of it. And I'm like, look, guys, we have a train wreck here in Alabama that you can look at. It's, it's far, far it's more far, compelling. Far, far, far more compelling. <laughs> and you can do something about this one, right? Yeah, you have a much direct impact on it. I mean, it doesn't take much. A lot of these guys, they hear, they get five phone calls and their minds are changed. Like, I'm telling you, I have these conversations. My mom, yeah. Fox News viewer, exactly what you're talking yeah. about. And like, that is my, it's good that I get to talk to her and she could tell me all about like Brian Kilmeade's new book, whatever he's writing yeah. about now, or, 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 you know, Martha McCallum's hairdo or something. I mean, it's just yeah. like down to the detail. Who's your state Senator? I don't know. I don't, that's small stuff. That doesn't matter to me. Does, you know, it doesn't impact my 401k or what like mom. It does, though. Like, you know, all these things you complain to me about, it does matter in, in a much more profound, direct way. 
than any of that stuff on Fox News and any of the stuff in the Biden administration, I think. Yeah. No, it is. And um, that's the idea. Statewide media done well, focusing on these issues, bringing them to light, helping to educate and explain and inform and show people. I would say if you can show people in Alabama how they're getting screwed, they're ready for a fight. Right. And so we, yeah. we found that to be the case. And we'll talk about some of those uh, on the library stuff. But yeah. So, I mean, that's a state of the state on a lot of there's, there's way more issues. You can go on RSA and a bunch of other things, but really state of the state, education, taxes, prisons, ALDOT, um, you know, woke stuff, mm, you know, um, we're, we should be doing better holding, holding that stuff at bay. We're, we're, we're doing something. I think the anti-ESG legislation was good. Um, but I, I think, I think we're going to see pushback and I, I keep trying not to skip to the end where we are. We're going to talk about the libraries, but to me, that's the picture of, of what's going to have to happen. One group or one person, your guy getting elected, isn't going to fix it. One group, you know, writing of this or that isn't going to fix it. What it is, 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 is putting your finger on the problem and, and basically pornography being in the children's section in the library. That's, that's a problem, but the problem is when you go to the library board and say something and they say, well, no, it's city council. And then you go to city council and are like, no, it's the library board. Now you really have your finger on the problem. These people are cowards and they don't, they don't deserve to be in those positions. And what I anticipate happening is this fire, it started in Prattville and it went to Foley, Madison County, North Shelby County, uh, Dothan and all over. We're seeing, uh, this, this library fire spread what I anticipate happening and what I encourage to happen, uh, if you're listening to this, is people are going to run for the library board. People are going to run for city council. People are going to run for the school board. People are going to run for county commission. They're starting to see the absolute importance of these positions that, like you said, like your mom's saying, is is just never even thought about them before. Well, that's, and there's so much wisdom in this because, look, when's the last time you been to the library? I mean, most people don't think about the library. They got the internet. I got Wikipedia. That's far superior to the Encyclopedia Britannica. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. It, it, it's, it's not important. I mean, most places have a library and, you know, it ought to be a reflection of the public. And and even if I don't go to the library, I, I do go to the library, but if you don't go, I mean, this is going on in your institutions and this is just one example of it. But like whether or not you and I, our worldview, which I, I, I'm certain it's the correct worldview, but but uh, let's give the benefit of the doubt to the other side that you know we can have a debate about what's proper, what is uh, the right thing to go into libraries, go into children's books collections, and and all that, and we can have that debate until we're blue in the face. But where this to me is where where, where the real problem lies is this unaccountable bureaucracy telling you, no, I have the library science degree. I, you, this is not important. I know better. I know better than you rubes out there. I did this. I, I got my library science degree from the University of Montevallo, one of the best library science schools in the land. <laughs> and you're going to tell me what goes in a library? I don't think so, but but, but it shouldn't be that way. I mean, yeah. if, if enough people, I'm not talking about one or two or three malcontents, but I am talking about a, you know, a, a pretty broad consensus, a majority or whatever, say, hey, this is not something we want in our library. We don't want big extravagant displays celebrating pride month okay i mean we're not against pride month if you want to celebrate it go celebrate it but don't don't try to make it like an institutional thing yeah and, and they say no we know better than you we're going to do it our way 
And that's where you lose control of the government. That's where you lose. I mean, the libraries is such a perfect example, but you know, we just spent talking about Aldot, the department of corrections. We could even look at archives and history, a a seemingly irrelevant uh, bureaucracy in Montgomery, a department, but it's all up and down that, that you have these people who work in government who could care less about what those crazy people in Alabama want, think, vote or whatever. We're doing it our way and that's not that's not a government for the people by the people that's not the consent of the governed that's and we should not have this kind of problem in alabama if they want to have that problem somewhere else and i don't think that they do i think the people in california get the government that they want i think the people yeah. in connecticut or whatever these blue states get the government they want why can't we have the government we want mm. in alabama i know that's hard to define but i'm pretty sure it's not pornographic children's books okay yeah. I, I think we could take that one and put that on the list of things we don't want as yeah. a as a Pretty state clear. okay i mean there may be two or three of you cuckoo people out there but most people don't want that around their children yeah no um i've got i want to get into the mccutcheon story the huntsville drag queen story but i'm going to jump on to real quick the the state board of education and i'll let you tee off on this and then i'll cover the mccutcheon and, and huntsville drag queen the state board of education the self-protecting bureaucracy i can't tell you how many stories we have come to us where a mom will come to us they're concerned that this thing happened they exhausted all of their channels and you know that every person that they talked to said we're going to take care of that we understand your concern and then they just protect themselves right and um, you know, we saw that uh, with um, with what happened with the critical race theory being taught in Prattville. Then the the kid that was playing with himself in class in front of 13-year-old girls or whatever, and, you know, whether they expelled him or not, they don't talk about discipline issues, uh, um, but they, they didn't notify the parents. Why would you not notify the parents in that situation, right? And so you see this self-protecting bureaucracy, and, and the the imbeciles that are in charge of this is insane um wayne reynolds i'm talking to you um but we we show that selma puts in for applies for a grant to get um basically funding to support a field trip to a historical lgbtq site in curriculum it's like twenty thousand dollars or something we write that story and then they come back and say, no, that wasn't us. It was Selma, Selma California. California. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, tell us, how did you come up to, how did you fi- figure that out? Silence. Like, yeah. No, no one, no one can tell us. Uh, Selma, California, those guys at 1819 news, they just make stuff up to get you outraged. And then, and, um, well, uh, you know, a couple of days pass and we, 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 we have the receipts and we figure out where, oh, it really was Selma, Alabama. Why did you lie about this? Dude, and they got all kinds of people like 1819 kind of adjacent people, influential people that were calling me and they're like, you guys got this wrong. You need to make it right. Yeah. You know, like, I don't like the assumption was that, that we got it wrong. Yeah. That we would, we would make this up. Like, yeah. oh, really? No, no, you, you guys really did this. Yeah. And um, that, that's funny how that dropped off the yeah. radar all of a sudden, didn't it? But he had to come back hat in hand, you know, after basically, you know, blowing up Craig's phone, blowing up your phone, blowing up my phone, legislators, everybody. That they, He sent out a mass email. Wayne Reynolds sent out a mass email to lawmakers, to lawmakers to and everything, bashing us, telling us how stupid we were, basically, and how we got it all wrong. And then, you know, when he comes back, he's like, okay, you guys are right. What? I couldn't hear. You guys are right. Yeah. Uh, like, and, 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 and he's on the state board of education. He runs it. Kay Wait, Ivy's the only one higher than him, and she's obviously not running it. I mean, he just assumed that these guys were were, were right and we were wrong. Like, yeah. we would make this up because we just want web clicks or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. But that's not what it's about. Like, it really is a good faith effort to expose some of this silliness in our public schools. 
And we're not just like showboating or whatever, as Wayne Reynolds probably yeah. thought. And the proper response to all of this is, you know, like when we first started bringing some of this critical race theory and stuff to them, uh, it was really, it was moms in North Shelby County that were doing it. And they were called far right wing, far right wing Fox News viewers. And, that you know, da, 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 you're crazy. Show us evidence. They brought a bunch of evidence, gave it to us. We printed it. And the proper response in the very beginning, the first time the mom showed them the, you know, the evidence is like, oh, my gosh. We're so sorry. We're going to look into this. We know that we're responsible for the most precious things in your life, your children. We take that responsibility very seriously, <laughs> and we're going to do everything we can. That's not their response. No, it's no. never it, their response. It is. They go on offense. Yeah. They come after you. Yes. They want you know. They you 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 Fox News. You view yeah. exactly. You yeah. right wing nut job. How dare you question yeah. what we do and teach? Yeah. You don't know anything. We know everything. And so far, every time we've gone up against them, we've won. Right. Every time they've had to admit, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. And, oh, superintendent had to step down because the kid was playing with himself in class. Oh. oh uh, you know, and then getting into the Huntsville uh, school teacher, and then I'll finish with McCutcheon. Um, the Huntsville, so there was James Miller was a, a Huntsville City School teacher in Huntsville. Uh, obviously, Huntsville City School. Yeah, thanks for being redundant, Brian. So, um, but he was moonlighting as a drag queen in the evenings, reading books to children uh, and making sexual quips out of the the book. You know, every dog likes a big bone, and you know yeah. that kind of stuff. Dressed in full disgusting drag, reading to children. We expose it. We write the story. They gave him a two-week paid vacation that they called a suspension, and he came back to school. And we're like, well, wait a second. Why does he still have his job? That seems pretty asinine that you know he would still have his job. Well, we believe Mr. Miller can you know keep it between the lines and keep his personal life out of his his professional yeah, I life. I mean, like it is he he's entitled to his personal yeah. life and his privacy. It's none of your damn business what he's doing. Oh, yeah. really? Oh, yeah. And so Craig continues to dig because that's what Craig does. And finds Mr. Miller on a podcast called Look Who's Tucking. Look Who's Tucking. Can't make it up. Talking to another drag queen person. And in there, he said that he strategically and covertly places LGBTQ materials in the curriculum in, in, yeah. in the class so that he can essentially groom children. And so he retires shortly after that. The New York Times sends a whole crew down here to do a big interview with him. These horrible people are trying to get me canceled. And so... Anyway, that was a, a, a big story. Um, and then we'll finish uh, this portion of the podcast with this. Uh, the McCutcheon story. That was, um, I think that was a story that really set us apart. A lot of times there's, oh, 1819 is just a social conser conservative, you know, culture war people and all this other stuff. It's like, no, um, there's issues that are going on. And so we broke a story uh, that Mac McCutcheon, uh, while he was the rules chair, he was a former Speaker of the House. But before he was the Speaker of the House, he was a rules chair. While he was the rules chair, he was listed as government affairs on his son's medical diagnostic company called QBR. He was listed as government affairs, uh, and then we showed that he received 90-some-odd thousand dollars uh, for, uh, for the work that he did for QBR. So it wasn't just an obscure you know, um, org chart that he was listed on. He actually got paid for it. Uh, and the company QBR Medical Diagnostics or QBR Diagnostics was a, um, a neuropathy testing um company and this is important because ultimately they were the 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 business model was to send texts out to rural alabama so that these people in rural alabama that had pain management needs didn't have to drive to huntsville didn't have to drive to birmingham didn't have to drive to mobile or whatever the big market was they would send a tech out to you they would do the state-of-the-art neuropathy testing that they would put on the person and then there would be a test and it would say hey you're you're this hurt and you need this medication based on that well in order to break into the business they had to compete 
And so what they thought would be a good idea is they came up with a contract, Chris McCutcheon did, that said, okay, if if we pay the doctors to do the tests, that's a kickback. We're paying for a test. That's a kickback. You can't do that. So we're going to pay them by the hour. Oh, okay, that's it. And so Mac McCutcheon takes that agreement and has Luther Strange, who's the attorney general, review it um, and and say, yeah, no, it's good. And so then McCutcheon goes and signs up all these salespeople saying, and they're like, hey, that looks like a kickback. Are you sure we can do that? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, 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 it's good. I'm the rules chair. I had the attorney general look this over. It's completely fine. We're paying by the hour. We're not paying by the test. Oh, okay. So they all sign up to work for him. Um, and that happens. And, uh, then all of a sudden the federal indictments start coming in and the prosecutions. And, and, and now all these guys are either in federal prison or headed to federal prison, um, because they did that. And the only two people that somehow escaped that were Mac and his son. And so, um, that's amazing. You it's know. amazing how yeah. that works out. Uh, I just, <laughs> we just didn't get around to it. I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, and. I mean, that was there was a lot of buzz around that, but somehow I, you know, and and you, you watch what's happened to Mac. He's he he continues to uh, survive it, and uh, I, I don't know. I I think it's it, it looked to me a lot similar to what Hubbard got in trouble for, but yeah. Mac sailed. Yeah, and it actually looked worse when you really looked at at what he was doing. The political favors, I didn't even go into that. The political favors, so there'd be clients of QBR that would have like an out of state lab. And they would want to do business with Alabama. So you had to get Blue Cross, Blue Shield, sure. in-network preferred. Well, that's really hard to do. And so Mac knows some people, I don't know, Robin Stone at Blue Cross, Blue Shield, <laughs> who happened to be the head of government affairs. Uh, and so Mac gets them Blue Cross, Blue Shield approved. Boom, right? And he's doing those favors for his son's company, and he's being paid for it. That's illegal. It's unethical. It's all of those things. Yeah. And, so. and it never is like sufficiently addressed. That. No, it was made the Madison County, uh, the chairman, chairman of Madison County Commission. Take it over for Dale Strong yeah. and then uh, made on, put on the Athens uh, state board, uh, you know, uh, trustees. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's crazy. Well, there you go. Um, thank you guys for joining us um, for the last two years. Uh, this is uh, the whole point of the episode was to, to really just do a rundown of what we think is going on in Alabama, what needs to happen, what has happened, where are we? Um, and just to have that conversation, but, but again, this marks two years since we've been publishing, uh, many more years to come, Lord willing, um, we'll continue to inform. We'll continue to investigate. We'll continue to celebrate. We'll continue, uh, putting out great content that helps you, uh, know what it is that's going on in your state, why it matters. So Jeff, thank you for the work that you've been doing. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this has been, this has been fun. Uh, Jeff is full of knowledge. We probably could have sat here for another two or three hours, uh, going into issues that are going on in the state. But we'll wrap it up. And then we've got an overtime segment where we're going to be talking about congressional redistricting. Uh, this is big, guys. We're, we're basically getting a, a, a congressman, you know, stolen, a conservative congressman uh, stolen, essentially, because of how they gerrymandered this map. We're going to be digging into that, uh, breaking that down. So if you're not a member, go sign up, become a member today. Uh, 1819news.com. Click the button. Membership start as little as $5 a month. And then you'll have access to behind the scenes content and some cool merch. So please go do that. All right, guys, that'll wrap it up for today. Until next time, put your trust in God and keep your powder dry. 